Hey, Sandra. Who are we? The Screaming Neighbors. And I'm going to say who we interviewed today. Oh, go for it. Go, girl, go. Okay. A wonderful mezzo-soprano, contralto, mm -hmm. tenor, whatever we want to call her, Stephanie Blythe, amazing, who Met has made this big transition in her career into singing tenor and this alter ego, right? I mean, why not? Love this lady. She is, she is given permission to all of those that go through any kind of hormonal shift that it's not over, that you can, you can forge a new path. And she is breaking down barriers and breaking down walls. And this excites me more than anything right now. I mean, this is the bomb. Love her. Yep. So make sure to watch this clip. Honestly, we say this every week. I know we do, but she's so inspirational Absolutely. And to hear her journey and how she chose her journey. Thank you. She didn't let other people choose it for her. She ding, 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 ding. Young people there, are you listening? Mm -hmm. So check out our clip. Boop. Boop. <laughs> Bye. I did auditions early on and my voice teacher, Patricia Mislin, who just passed away this week. No. Um, Sorry. Pat, Pat used to say to me, kid, you got big tits, stick them out. And, and, and she was right. She would always say to me, don't hide, take your space, walk out, you know, throw your shoulders back, be, lead with your sternum don't be afraid take your space yep because the smaller you try to look the bigger you're going to look and what are you apologizing for hey, <laughs> cheers happy sunday happy sunday i love you like biscuits and gravy because I live in the South and that's what, how we talk. <laughs> oh dear. Where are you? Are you home? Or are you in the city here now? Oh no, I'm at home. Oh nice. I don't go into the city if I don't absolutely have to. And how long is the commute into the city for you? It's, it's, I don't, well, when I'm rehearsing, I'll stay in this, I'll stay, I'll stay in the city for, you know, a couple of days at a time, but I don't, I don't like to be there for long periods. It's too expensive. Oh. And it's loud. It's just loud. Too many people. It's too expensive. Every, you know, I'm just hemorrhaging money working in there. You know you what? Know? I really love hearing that from a superstar because all my friends that are trying to get into New York to work, they're like, where are we staying? There is nowhere to stay that isn't over $10,000 a month. It is insane. Well, so I just, you know, I, I, get a, I get a hotel room for a couple of nights at a time. Oh. And then I drive home because I can't, I can't afford the rest of it. We, I haven't worked in two years. Ding, 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 ding. Superstars. Everybody thinks we're loaded. You know how much money it costs to do this job? Um, yeah, I say people, we're, we're not Beyonce. That's all I'm going to say. We are not pop stars. We are. You know, if we make a recording, y'all have, do y'all have, have it, do any of you have recordings out? You make a recording. You don't make any money off that recording. We're not, we're not pop stars. We don't, you know, 
if we see a couple hundred bucks every couple of years, that's it. And, and you no, know, we just have performance, CDs. right? Yeah, and you get 10 free CDs. Woo, yeah. And, yeah. And you can't, I mean, it's it, it's ridiculous. And when you when you live in this, when you work in the city for any length of time, between travel, parking your car, you have it's like a, a rent to park your car. It and is. there's no place to do it. Insane. I'm paying fifteen thousand dollars for fifteen nights in an apartment here in New York now. That, that one fee gone, you know. So it's whoa, 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 whoa! Fifteen not for fifteen nights. I'm sorry, thirty thirty-five nights. Sorry. Okay, I was like, well, you're paying a thousand dollars, girl. Where the hell are you staying for a thousand dollars? Say thirty-five nights. So for just over a month, fifteen thousand dollars. I, I am I am staying at my beloved Beacon Hotel. Oh, yeah. I love the Beacon. I yeah. stay there a couple of, I, you know, I, all my favorite places are right there. It's close enough to the Met. Mm -hmm. It's great. That's Very but it's still, oh. The so hotel. I stayed at New York. I love okay, it. So, I did okay. my audition downstairs in there, in that audition hall. Yep. My, my question though is, are you warm enough in that hotel? Because I'd love to hear that. <laughs> no. Uh -uh. You don't do that either, do you? I don't warm up in a hotel. Uh -uh. I don't even warm up in apartments. I don't think it's fair. It's not right. It, it's it it. I I have you know since I have a dressing room to go to, mm -hmm. I always I'm always at the theater an hour and a half to curtain anyway. Okay, 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 okay. But I know we have so many other things to talk about this. But let me ask you this: so you have your dressing room. Sometimes your dressing room is backed up next to the tenor. And the tenor shows up early an hour and a half too, and mm -hmm. is the whole time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I can't hear myself think if that's going on. So then mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not gonna go warm up. I mean, where do you go? Yeah. End of the hall. I just sing louder. <laughs> and 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 I'm the mezzo, so I never have the I I never have the room next to the soloist. Never. It's true. I'm that's always. Fine. And I move myself down. There's enough at the net. There's enough for her. There's, there's enough. I'm always the third one down on the left. Okay. Okay. And it doesn't matter what I'm singing. If I'm singing a title, I, if I'm singing a title role, I'm down there. I like being away from other people too. And, and now especially, but yeah. I usually go the one at the, the end of the hall at the Met, but on the non-window side. So the one right. where all the germs are from 1966. Yeah, yeah exactly. That room, also known as the Placido Domingo room, um, but yeah. I like it. Still smell like, sorry, end of the hall. Yeah, sorry. Still smell like his cologne when you walk in there. <laughs> We're gonna go on to the next question. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I didn't mind the cologne. Yeah, no, it always smelled just so delicious. But you smelled like it for hours afterwards. Um, I stayed in his apartment in Vienna, and I was putting my clothes away, and I and I because he has quite a few that he rents out in Vienna and, and I opened a drawer to put some stuff in it and I found the secret stash of cologne and it was a whole drawer of cologne and I thought do I work down the drain? That's what it used to be whenever I worked with Raphael with Frubeck de Borgos was the same thing you'd, you'd hug him at the and I didn't care you hung him at the end of the night you smelled like him for a week yeah, too. Roberto I loved him. I didn't care. Yeah. There are some people I do care. Yeah. Intensely. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, is this your opera that you're doing right now at the Met? Is this the? I know that you just did, which we do want to talk about Carmen uh, with Jamie Barton. 
with you singing Don Jose, which I love, but is this the first opera production back after the pandemic for you? Yes. Well, mm -hmm. Can we wow. talk about that? How is that feeling? Where are you in your head with all this? Because we've had so many uh, numerous discussions with singers getting back to work and how kind of you're like, oh, here we go. I'm getting on, my, on the bike again. And some are having problems and some aren't. I, oh, it's, it was terrible for me. Really? Oh yeah. I became, I became slightly agoraphobic over the last two years. Oh, okay. I much prefer, I much prefer to be right here in my little space and with my husband and my dogs and that's it. And go, driving into New York for the first time in two years was petrifying for me. Oh, and, and the other day I sat, I, I was sitting on the edge of the stage or just off stage left and uh, just waiting to go on and hearing all the music and you know all, everything kicked right back into, into you know, this kind of autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I just sat there and my heart was beating out of my chest and I was incredibly nervous. And it was a piano tech, it was a piano tech. And I'm sitting there going, come on, don't be ridiculous, didn't matter. I, and I realized that it, it didn't have anything to do with, the, with performing. It just had to do with the idea of being surrounded by so many people. And, you know, I don't like being around a lot of people anymore. Wow. And noise really bothers me too. Me too. You know, it, more so now. I'm don't you. you think? Yeah. Well, I live out in the country. Yeah. Out in the country. Me too. And, and when I go into a big city, I, 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 because I have the little heart monitor. That's why mm -hmm. I got this nice Apple Watch from my girlfriend. And I tell you, the minute I walk off the plane into a big city, you can see it just goes. Yeah, I, I just can't, I, it, it just, and it was really, what was nice was, and I'm sure you experienced this too, when you went back into the house, that for me, it was the stagehands that made me feel great again. Mm. It was the stagehands. It was so many good friends who've known me for so long and who were just so welcoming and loving and open. And it was great. It yeah. was great. They really made me, I mean, the musicians, of course, everybody. But the stagehands I have a particular relationship with, and and that was wonderful. When do you open? You open soon, right? We open Friday. Cool. We open Friday. So yeah, and it's it's going to be a lovely show. Isabel is a terrific Cinderella. Love it. Um, I mean, the whole cast is fantastic. Everyone is, you know, um, Jacqueline Eccles and and Maya Leani, who are playing my daughters, are wonderful. And mm -hmm. Laurent Marie, who's my husband. And Emily D'Angelo, holy cow, what a rock star. Isn't she? I mean, that is a voice to look out for. Holy cow. I love that. That's awesome. And she's Canadian, eh? Oh, yeah. I like that. I mean, just what an instrument. And what I love about her party, I keep, oh, uh, so, it looks beautiful. I just keep futzing. Um, that is such a distinctive instrument. When you hear two notes, you know it's her. Oh, that's you know, amazing. yeah, and just lovely. Artist. Really, just she has grown so much. I worked with her when she was in the ensemble at the COC, mm -hmm. and I thought, oh yeah, here you go. We're gonna we're we're gonna remember this name. So yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it, the role is significantly shorter now because the whole piece has been knocked down to an hour and a half, mm -hmm. and it just flies by. Holy cow! No intermission. 
That's no. Wow. No. And there is a lot of running around. I'm here to tell you. Oh, you that, that dress, that dress, right? <laughs> it's like a, it's that's like a, a 30 second change. That's a 30 second change. So I literally, it zips the, the first dress zips straight down. I step out of it, go into the new dress, zips straight up and I go out. And it, it, the other day during the rehearsal, there wasn't enough light in the changing booth. I couldn't find the zipper. I'm digging around here. I'm looking, I couldn't find anything. I, you know, the first thing okay. I, thought, I thought in my head is what happened if, what happens if that zipper busts? Cause that can happen. Well, I'll walk out my underwear. There you go. <laughs> it's a changing scene for God's sake. No, I mean, I, I did not make it out. I did not make it out in time for my first line. But I sang it loudly and they all heard it, so. Oh, all right, there you go. It happens. It happens. I want to talk know, about if, that. If, if that happens, I'll just stick my, my head out of the door and sing the whole thing like that. Oh, hysterical. Oh, my God. I kind of hope that happens a little if anybody bit. anybody can do it, you, you can. can do it. Yeah. Let me tell you, I once did a show in Philadelphia where I was wearing this gown in La Grande Chasse de Gelderstein. I'm wearing this gown that was entirely made of lace. I mean, it was just lace, just wrapped around the dress, just tons and tons of lace, the entire skirt. And during one performance, Kevin Glavin and I are coming on stage. He's playing General Boom. He's right behind me. And we're going to start this really funny duet. And it, the edge of the lace on the bottom of the skirt caught on a nail. And as I walked out, it just pulled it right off the dress. I'm like walking out and my dress is falling apart. And he's, you know, this just yards and yards and yards of lace. And Kevin went back and hunt. We actually, I, I couldn't sing. I was laughing so hard. And we were, fortunately we were singing in English and, and he handed me, Kevin hands me this huge pile of lace and I hold it and I just look at the audience and go, it's okay, we've got it. And we started to sing. <laughs> you never know. You never know. You never know. Seriously, I mean, you are such a stage animal. You can make any any scene work like that. For anyway. sure. Well, we, we had a good time. I had a great partner who helped it. I love that. I, I want to go back. I want to go back to our time as young artists at the Met. That's okay. I first met. Yeah. It was 20 years ago. Oh, is that... It's yeah i have to play ball with her if i don't she'll start barking that's okay so that's that's the way it is and what i have a um a huge saint bernard he's with my husband right now down at the boat but um how what is your dog i well you have two this is june june i'm sure you'll see june at some point june is a boston terrier okay and then we have Hercules who's lying in the bed and he's snoring and he's 138 pounds, something like that. He's a, he's a, he's my old boy. And he's a, um, a Pyrenees black lab mix. You know what, yeah. uh, when you say this, I remember this because I've seen your um, painting or artwork stuff on Instagram of the dogs. Yeah. yeah cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, you know, they're everything. They're, they're so Absolutely. Oh, my humps. Humphrey, my humps is my, he's my everything. And you know what? I actually tried to do one of those things you did with the art. I had a really cool picture of him, just his face and his big paws. And mm -hmm. he's 198 pounds, FYI. But um, he's, he's my big, big baby. But 
I tried and I couldn't, it looked like shit. So whatever you're doing, it's amazing. And, and you make it look easy because it's hard. <laughs> I know I have a really terrific app for that called Dreamscope and I love it. And okay. I do a lot of futzing around with my pictures with that. I really like it. I, I like what you do. It's cool. It's a nice hobby. All yeah. right. So okay, young artist. the young artist program. So that's where we met mm -hmm. 25 years ago. <clears throat> and <laughs> which is unbelievable because we still look 35 you know yeah. Hello. <laughs> but i re i remember meeting you because you were already in the program when i came right you were a year ahead of me and i remember coming in and meeting this amazing mezzo and hearing her sing and thinking holy shit why i don't belong here and i remember thinking this girl is going to have the biggest career ever this is the most important voice i've ever heard live in my oh life. for heaven's sake it's the truth, and I've never told you that. So, and I remember James Levine really, you and he had this special connection, didn't you? And I remember thinking, she is going to be, a, you know, this super, super, superstar, you know, singing all around the world. And then you went and got married mm -hmm. and moved to upstate New York. Was that a choice that you made, Stephanie? Honestly, I'm, I've always wanted to ask you this. Um, well, I live, well, actually, I, I was, I grew up in upstate New York. I live in okay. Pennsylvania. We moved to Pennsylvania. Um, yes. Okay. I never had any, you know, I never had any, uh, I did not have a drive to have a great big international career. I sang in, I was lucky. I sang in Paris quite a bit, which is where I met my husband. Um, I sang at, at Covent Garden quite a bit. Um, and I would have loved to have kept singing at Covent Garden, but my mother passed away. My mother was very, very sick. And I was scheduled to do a rake's progress there. And I knew my mother was about to die. And I was not going to be across the pond when it happened. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to spend a little more time with her before that happened. And I was right. She, she, she did die not long after that. Um, in fact, I was in the middle of doing a fall staff in Seattle when she passed away. And the great Spate Jenkins it was, it was just before final dress rehearsal. And he said, what would you like? Would you like to miss final dress or the opening night? He said, whatever you want to do, I'm here. He had already hired a wonderful, he had hired Melissa. Uh, oh, her name Scott went right out of my head. COVID brain. This wonderful, wonderful mezzo-soprano who has since passed away as well. Oh. Um, and she, she came and he, he hired a cover just for that because he knew my mom was was dying and um after i made that cancellation they never we, we never that was that was it okay um not that's so ridiculous but okay well but it, it's fine because i really you know the thing is i i married a man 28 years older than me and i knew that that was going to make some decisions for me mm -hmm. and um and and i wouldn't change a thing Okay. I've had a terrific career. I still have a terrific career. I love doing what I do. I like being an American singer. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There are plenty of Germans who don't leave Germany and right. plenty of, you know, it, it is Italians who never leave Italy. Yeah. I never sang in Italy. I never, I never had a debut in Italy. Whoa. I sang a Tucker concert in Florence. <laughs> That's, That's the only time I've ever sung in Italy. And I'm I I'm not I'm I'm not upset about that. 
I'm very happy having had a very successful career in my own country. And, um, and that is perfectly fine. I agree. I just wanted to know if it was a conscious decision or. Yeah, or it was. Because I mean, all of our careers, we all take different paths. Some yeah. by choice, some not by choice. Yeah. And, um, you know, it is what it is and we can't go back and change it. And I, I hate living in the past and I have no regrets for anything in my life either. And I applaud you for following your heart and doing what you love as opposed to letting people push you to do something you don't want to do. Well, and you know, it, it is, and, and also, you know, I mean, I really loved my time in France. I really loved it. I adored Hugh Gall. I adored Gall. I thought he was just, he was so good to me. And, um, and it wasn't the same with his, uh, with his successor. Mm. And I had a, a really wonderful contract that I had um, um, lined up that, that, you know, Gall had hired me to sing Italian Girl in Algiers there mm. after he heard me sing the, um, my, my debut, which was quickly in Falstaff, where I met my husband. And um, I had that contract for many years. And when Gerard Mortier took over, he said, no, you are inappropriate for that role. You're too fat. And he wow. offered me some other parts that were not the title role. And I said, you know, okay, pay me my money. How the world has changed now. Could you imagine? Pay me my could and you and opera manager saying that to any singer now. I'm sorry. Well, he told you. well. He told me. Uh, in, uh, he told me no uncertain terms that if I didn't, if I if I was behaving like a child, and that if I uh, if I continued, that I wouldn't work in Paris anymore. And I said, fine. I don't need to work in Paris. I got a husband. <laughs> it's all I, I got a husband in Paris. That's all I need. And that was it. That was the last time I sang in Paris. <laughs> Yeah, and he paid me my money. Wow. You know, but it is. That had to resonate with you a lot, didn't it? I, it resonated with me enough that I still remember it. And it's the, and it's one of the things that, that, um, and it's one of the things that I think uh, is, is unfortunate that that was, that was his opinion. I was a very good Italian girl. You know, and I did it several times and I enjoyed it thoroughly and it would have been lovely to have done that. And actually, um, you know, Gall came up to me at one point during my last contract there, which was a, um, a Julius Caesar. And he said, I'm very sorry that that happened. You would have done, it would have been a great honor for our company. And I said to him, you know, Monsieur Gall, all, uh, it, to me, all that matters is that you just said that to me. That's all I care about. And that, that's the truth. Yeah. The fact that someone that I admired so much, such a, such a, who was such a giant in this industry, um, would say something so kind to me. Yeah. That's all that matters. What I find interesting about all that is that in the day that we live now, where there is so much more, thank God, um, body acceptance and body positivity and people have the freedom now in a way, I don't know if that's the right word to say, this is who I am, I'm enough, take it or mm -hmm. leave it kind of thing. The, mm -hmm. the frightening part to me is that behind closed doors in our business, 
it is still very much decided who is standing on stage, what they look like. So no matter what these young kids are, are fighting for, they're still fighting against a wall. And, and it is absolutely asinine and insane. Because I think about the time frame of like Pavarotti and Joan Sutherland and Marilyn Horn. And those bodies didn't fit a mold that fits on an HD camera according to the standards they have now. And I, it hurts me because I were losing talent, we're losing um, this beautiful uh, representation of the world on our stages. Does that make sense of all shapes and sizes and colors? And so I, I don't know how to change. I don't know where that changes behind the scenes, but um, that that kills me because what you're talking about is still going on today and i don't it's it's maddening it's absolutely but you know the thing is is it's gone on forever it's not this it's not new it's gone on forever and the and the thing is it will continue until the people who are in charge are the people who want to make it who want to make a change and that's slowly happening that's slowly happening and and uh you know it takes it takes time for i mean i i have to say I haven't suffered. I've had a very full career. I still have lots of good work ahead of me. Right. I, I, I've sung consistently in some of these houses. You know, I was at the Met singing. I sang at the Met every season for 20 years. 20 years, every uh-huh. season, at least once, if not twice. That is so awesome. I've never seen. I, my main question to you is you are uh, running Bard right now. You are in charge of or, or helping young people find careers and building the foundation of that. How right. how are you helping singers like that maneuver through the opera world and what we're dealing with now? Because I think the sad thing, um, not that I really wanted to get on this topic of size, but the sad thing is that sometimes bigger voices are pushed into bigger repertoire because everybody thinks a big body has to have a big voice for some reason. So how are you helping young singers maneuver through all of that? What is well, your to them? We, we all know that size doesn't correlate to size of voice. Thank you. You know, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, I've seen very large singers have tiny instruments yeah. and very small singers have giant instruments. It, yeah. it doesn't that, you know, vocal production is dependent on a lot of different things. Um, I, I run, I'm the artistic director of the, of the graduate vocal arts program at Bard. And I think that, um, first of all, I came into a, uh, I came into that program, which had been run and developed originally by Dawn Upshaw. Mm-hmm. The people who are in that program, um, I mean, that it was already incredibly wonderful and excellent and did exactly, you know, Dawn and I have, have very similar uh, ethos when it comes to um, teaching voices. And for me, our job is simply to give a skill set, to provide a skill, skill sets to these young artists so that they have the tools necessary to maneuver through this, through the industry as well as um, the music. Mm-hmm and the roles. And so it, it's a really wonderful, and it's also, it's a very small program. It's a very boutique program. I have 14 graduate students wow. right now. And so we were able to spend a lot of quality time working on language and on repertoire. And, and we develop a lot of, we're working, we work on a lot of new repertoire. Mm-hmm. I mean, new music is very, very important wow. to the program. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I, I, what I'm concentrating more on now 
is not so much size, but identity. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and because that's really where it's at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's where it's always at. It's just that it's, there's actually vocabulary for it now. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 what I really, what I really love is to help singers kind of find their way to who they are as an artist and how they identify as an artist. Mm-hmm. And where I do a lot of work with, um, with students who are, um, finding their way through Fach. Mm. which I think is is a very 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 thorny topic with a lot of people but I couldn't give two tiny shits nope. love well I mean you how know? many walks have you sung in so to speak <laughs> I you know I I try to be as 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 fach full as I can love I mean I love that because it 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 takes the lines away. It takes the boxes away. I always well, we have. Yeah, I I think that you know. I mean, I think the, the the phrase outside the box to me is sort of it's overused now because we because we all have to do so much of it, and we've especially in the last couple of years. But you know, I have wonderful students who are who are and and not only at Bard, but students that I've I've worked with over the years because I've been teaching now for quite a while. And I don't say, when I say teacher, I'm not a voice teacher. I'm a, I'm a coach. I'm not a voice teacher. Okay. I am, you know, I, that kind of, uh, that kind of work is really for somebody who's there. And I still have a career, you know, I still have a working career. And I think if you're a voice teacher, you need to be able to be available to your students all the time. Consistency is such, I, I agree with that. Totally. And I think that but I, I'm, I'm a very good, I always say I'm, I'm an aunt. I'm a really good aunt. Leave the kids with me for the afternoon and I'm great. And then I give them back to mother. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy. Oh, but I, you know, I, I've had, I mean, going back to size, I've had always had large singers, young singers who come to me and say, how do I have a career? How do I have a career? Can I be fat and have a career? Like, yes, you can be fat and have a career. You just have to be better than everybody else. And own it. You know, this you is just have to, you have to walk out in front of these people. I mean, I'm telling you, I did auditions early on and my voice teacher, Patricia Mislin, who just passed away this week. No. Um, Sorry. Pat, Pat used to say to me, kid, you got big tits, stick them out. And, and, and she was right. She would always say to me, don't hide, take your space walk out, you know, throw your shoulders back, be, lead with your sternum. Don't be afraid, take your space. Yep. Because the smaller you try to look, the bigger you're gonna look. And what are you apologizing for? You know, I walked into, I walked into rooms when I was a young artist. I mean, Sonnery, you and I were paraded before more people than you could possibly imagine. Remember? Oh my God. I mean, we would just have just, weeks were just one one audition after another and I remember going I I was flown somewhere in this country to do an audition and you know I I I said I I learned the music for this part 
went down, did the audition, and the intendant said, well, she's too fat. My audience will not accept her. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, really? Yep. Why waste <laughs> my time? Why waste your time? That, what, well, why did you fly me down here? Is it a surprise? <laughs> did I walk in and you go, oh my God, she's fat. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Why trod me down there? And, you know, and then later on, years later, they're running a different company. They can't wait to have me because this audience will be able to handle a big girl. Fuck you. Yeah, hey, totally. I was just going to say, and your response was? That, that, that's my response. I had an audition you know? when I was a young artist and it was for a specific role. And I remember walking in, singing an aria that was of the, it was a new piece and a world premiere. Mm -hmm. After telling me after I sang, Oh, well, gosh, you're not who I thought you were. After I had flown halfway around the world to sing for this conductor. And I thought, um, if you had read my bio, you know, and, and looked at my photo, you might've seen that I was actually a brunette, not a blonde. And that might've given it away. But, but how many times did that happen in our careers where they just go, yeah, yeah. And you know what, that's okay. You know, we're not, we can't be for everybody. Nope. You know, we can't be every, the answer to everybody's casting, you know, <laughs> and that's fine. That's fine. But give people a chance. And, you know, I, and, and, and the thing trying to, trying to raise this next generation of artists and to, you know, I'm tired of telling people, or I'm tired of hearing people say to singers, you need a thicker skin. Why? Why do we need to develop a thick skin? Why? You tell, you, yes, we need to develop a thick skin because voices are malleable, they change. We, I mean, we have one of the only instruments that will not sound the same on Monday that it did last Friday for, for many reasons, for, for environment, for health, for diet, for sleep, for emotion. Uh -huh. Hormones, oh, forget about it, <laughs> right? And we have, I mean, we, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like being a pianist. Can you imagine what it's like being a pianist and having to sit down at a strange instrument and play it constantly? You know, we, we really, we, we have so much that we need to deal with and we have to get a thicker skin too. You, you've talked about um, <clears throat> your voice changing um, mm -hmm. and I mean, listen, when I, I remember when we were a young artist, you were singing the higher mezzo stuff, mm -hmm. like the Azucena, and then you sang the Ballo de Ulrica with me, and now you're singing tenor stuff. Was that because of hormones, or did is that where your voice is always kind of laid, or uh, a little bit of both? It's. I think it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I mean, my voice has always been sort of unnaturally low. Yes. And and I and and has always felt much much happier in in the lower <laughs> regions. Yep. Um, but I did when when I I mean perimenopause was a big deal for me. It was a big deal for me, and things started really shifting. And um, and I I just I'm I'm of the opinion that I don't think that a, that a woman's career 
should 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 kind of uh, disappear because her home her hormones are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. and I have I've had a very varied career my whole life. I mean, I've always done lots of different kinds of music, and I've just the the opportunity to to sing Don Jose fell in my lap. Mm -hmm. So I was asked and I thought, can I, can I do this? Yes, I so can. Good. Yes. So I did. Was it a and not everybody, and not everybody agrees with it. Not everybody thinks it's a great idea. That's okay. Sure. Not everybody has thought everything I've done. You know, <laughs> of things people have not been Me crazy too. about. Who gives a shit? But was it fun? Was it a blast? Oh gosh, yeah. Absolutely. Amy Barton, who's Oh my God, amazing. Oh no, we had, we had, a, we had a, a really, we had a wonderful time. And, and it was, and, 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 and it was the, the audience was incredibly, uh, the audience was incredibly um, supportive and generous and, and the Chicago Opera Theater were fabulous. Cool. They were just wonderful. And they treated me with such, um, respect and and generosity and i was i was very grateful to them is it something um, you want to do again pardon would you want to do it again absolutely what are other roles on your bucket list for that cavara dossi oh <laughs> hey girl we could have and that's always been my dream role that's been my dream role since i was a kid okay that's the role i always wanted to sing Stephanie Blythe, Sandra Ravinovsky, Tosca. Or Carrie Alcott. I mean, I sing, I sing, I've, I do some of the arias already. And I, and, you know, I do, I do Recondita Harmonia in a mashup with Could It Be Magic by Barry Manilow in my drag show. So I've been singing it for a long time now. It's very good with Could It Be Magic, actually. Oh my God. You know what I, was Dolores Ogic. Dolores Ogic always sang tenor arias. Well, Crazy. you know, I, I just, the, I, I've been able to, I've been really, I've been given this incredible opportunity in, as a, as a drag king to, to do music that I never thought I could before, and people have heard it, and enough people have liked it that they're willing to go that direction with me. I'm very excited about about the Skiki that's coming up next season in San Diego because yeah. I've always wanted to sing that role. Mm -hmm. So cool. So you know sure. the fact that are willing to go there with me, I'm, it makes me really happy. Well, I think it's really cool because it's it's like trailblazing a road. It's trailblazing a road to offer this to other singers, to other. I know other females that have this amazing lower extension, and that why why can't more do it? So, well, go ahead. Sorry. When you sing these roles, is it kind of is it freeing for you? Freeing? Yeah. Is it like this? Uh, you can. And uh, because I, I think we all have this alter personality inside of us anyway. I call mine Sandy Singer. And, <laughs> you know, when I walk on stage, it's like, Sandy Singer's here, you know? But when I walk yeah. off stage, that's a completely different. Is it liberating to become these men? Yes. Because that's another part of who yes. you are. Yes. The, this, this character that I've developed um, 
he is very much a part of who I am. And I, I have had this, this, this guy sitting in there on my shoulder for a very long time. And it took a, a, an amazing June. I am not interested in playing right now. You are gonna have to go and sit down. So you, um, you, you get to become this other person and- I get to be, well, I get to be, because of Blithely, I get to explore a different part of myself. But not only that, in my show, that 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 uh, I do, um, I get to talk about things that have to do with my artistry as a as a mezzo soprano that I I don't feel free and I don't feel able to talk about, you know, or at least I didn't. Now I talk about it because I, it, it's he sort of broke the ice for me. Love that, and I'm not afraid to talk about the fact that in my fifties, I'm a different singer. Mm -hmm. I'm a different singer and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -mm. It's not less than, it's just different. And if you are, if you're, and I'm incredibly lucky to have people who are going on that journey with me mm. because I don't want to, I, I don't, you know, yes, I, I've said goodbye to some roles that I've really loved singing. That's okay. I have lots of great stuff, up, uh, you know, ahead. And I am, you know, and now I'm having composers write to me and say, can I write something for Blively Oratonio? Yes. I have song composers who are writing, who are writing cycles for me that are for low voices, that are for a low woman's voice. Cool. You know, and I'm, and I'm, and that is really wonderful. If I can facilitate something like that happening, that's, that's gravy, you know? That's really great if I can help put something else out there for somebody else who's who is absolutely going to through going to go through what I'm going through. And now you're changing the narrative of that. You're changing the narrative of it's not over when menopause happens. No the changes that happens in your voice. Some people go higher, some people go lower, whatever it is, but you're changing the narrative of that, which is brilliant because now careers don't have to be over because of menopause. There's well, but but but, but but the other thing you're and you're absolutely right but the other thing that's really important and, and something i think that we need to be talking about more is helping people to understand what hormones do to the voice how many scholarly articles are written on this subject very few how many people how, how many pedagogues are out there who actually teach the menopausal voice mm. you and know how many doctors will actually talk about what it does to your throat Oh, because they don't know. They don't know. They don't know. And so, you know, yet again, women's health wins out. Yep. I know. I, so listen, why I not? You know, I, I would like to challenge someone out there. Yep. Find, find some people who, to do a study and really find out what, and, and let's, let's talk about the pedagogy of teaching the menopausal voice. I'm really lucky because I'm working with Richard Cox now and Richard is really helping me because he studied this. He's actually done some work to try to figure this out. And the thing I'm finding out now is that singing as a tenor is actually, ugh, hair. Singing as a tenor is actually helping to even this out. Yep. I'm never gonna have a high C again, that's okay. That's is it okay. Because of the larynx position, is it because of the opening of the throat differently? 
of, of the tip of it? Or I think it's, I think part of it is, is Laring's position, but more than anything, it's dryness. Wow. Which okay. is huge, huge in vocal health. Yeah. It, it, I, I have, when I sing for the last five or six years, the minute I start to sing on stage, it's like the Sahara. It just stops. There's, and I, you know, and I can't be drinking water every five seconds. Yeah. Otherwise I'm gonna have to go on stage wearing a diaper. Yeah. And it you know? doesn't help, it, it helps it momentarily, but you need something more mm -hmm. or, or the, if, if you're very dry, I don't know, you get this too, Steph, is the. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. I mean, Crystal I Ludwig wrote. Crystal Ludwig wrote about this because when she went through menopause, she had this same issue. She lost the top four notes of, of her voice for quite a few years and worked very hard to get it back. Yeah. But she said, when when the hormones change, if you're dry down there, you dry up here. It's exactly the same thing. Ding 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 ding. Hello. So That's you what I did when I went through it. I, I went and talked to other singers who had gone yeah. through it. I went and talked to Susie Graham. I went and talked yep. to Nathan and said, okay, guys, because no no doctor would talk to me about it. Nope. And you can go to a gynecologist, but they're not voice specialists. No. Say, well, you know, here's a patch or here's a cream. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Well, what's that going to do to my voice if I mm -hmm. put that? Exactly. Well, I don't know. Exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to possibly ruin my career when I'm singing the three Queens at the Metropolitan Opera. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, uh no, 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 no. So yeah. we suffer. You know, and it's, it's, and it's very interesting. You know, you, you, we, for so many people, you know, we wait for certain times in our lives to essay certain roles mm -hmm. because we need that kind of, sometimes we need that kind of maturity and that kind of experience. Right. And then you get there and you're like, oops, oops, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for me, I don't, I, you know, I had a high C maybe the first 10 years of my career, okay. you know, not the stellar high C, but it was there. Um, and now I have a C below middle C. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and so you're, so, so is someone out there to tell me that I have to stop singing because my C is in the wrong direction? No, no. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm really happy that there are people out there who are willing to take that risk with me. Mm -hmm. And I am, and, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep soldiering on. And I'm also going to try to help young singers who are coming up in the ranks to understand and not be, um, you know, the, you know how we were when we were kids, you know, you don't sing well one day, you, 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 it, you're horrified and you, and it takes weeks to get over it. And one thing that Pat Mislin always told me was an audition is five minutes out of your life. That's it. That's it. That's how, I mean, it, it and then it's over and it's gone. Mm -hmm. So to let it hang all over you, is is a waste and what singers young singers have to understand is you will never sing 100 percent. never i heard kathy battle say this to a whole room of us when i was a kid at tanglewood somebody somebody said to her 
how often do you feel you're singing 100%? She said, never. Never. If I sing it at 80%, I'm happy. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's true. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it, 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 we don't live in that kind of perfect world because no. there's too many outside factors that get in the way of that 100%. We might be That's in right. a dressing room, it might have been 100%. But then you get on stage and the conductor is doing something completely different and the tenor is doing something completely different. And, you know, that takes that that brain power away that you were going to mm -hmm. maybe put for singing. You're like, oh. Mm -hmm. So where does and then, But I was just going to say, and then just as often, and perhaps more often, the opposite happens. Something amazing happens. You know, you you're you're completely surprised that you have a phrase that you haven't had before, or you're working with a conductor who can make you feel like you're flying or you're singing. I remember once doing a, 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 a ballo, the old ballo, and uh, with Salvatore Lucitra, God rest his soul. Yeah. And opening night of that show, he turned something on he had never turned on in rehearsal. Love. And he could be really magical when he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. He could be magical. And that night he decided he was going to play that character. And it was so wonderful. And our scene together just, it just crackled. And you never know when that's going to happen. Right. So we have to be, you know, prepared for both. And it's okay. If, you know. You're right. So where did your passion for, for music, the arts, where did all that come from? Your parents? Uh, my my father was a jazz musician, so I heard music a lot in my house. Okay. Um, I didn't hear a lot of singers. My father didn't like singers, and would frequently come home from playing a, a show. My dad my dad worked in the in the resort hotels in the Catskills. That's how I, you know, I grew up in the Catskills, and my dad played at the, you know, the Concord Hotel for twenty five years, and he played all these big artists that would come through, and and he'd always say, God, these singers sound so stupid when they're warming up. <laughs> then he would say to me why don't you sing at home like thanks Dad. really um but he eventually he liked singing um i it's ironic because he had a beautiful voice hmm. um and i uh, but my mother had a great love of opera and symphonic music and so i listened to a lot of different kinds of music growing up and i i grew up in a in an area that had a fabulous music program so from the time I was I was very lucky because we had this terrific music teacher in elementary school his name was Dominic Dorio which is such a great name for a musician he's a wonderful yeah. pianist and you know he would push around his music cart and go from room to room and he taught us all these great Beatles tunes you know other kids were you know singing singing little kitty songs and he was teaching us fool on the hill and obladi oblada and for some reason maxwell silverhammer which i never thought was very appropriate today um and 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 so and i was part of the band i played in the band i played in the uh in the orchestra i sang in the mixed chorus you know my dad didn't allow me to sing in the chorus when i was in junior high and didn't want me to sing in the, I was a flute player. So he wanted me to be in the band. Okay. And um, as I say, he didn't like singers. And after I did the music, I was allowed to, to audition for the musical in my freshman year. We did Once Upon a Mattress and I sang Queen Agravain. Cool. And the, my chorus teacher, Martin Banner, 
who ended up becoming a major influence on me, um, insisted, he went to my father and absolutely insisted that I join the chorus. And I ended up going to Potsdam and the Crane School of Music because Martin had gone there. Wow. And that's where I eventually met Pat Mislin and okay. the rest is history. Wow. She she was a voice teacher to a lot of great singers. Oh, gosh, yeah. You, yeah. Renee Fleming, Maggie Lattimore. Maggie Lattimore. Yeah. yeah. You guys all. She had a great track record. Yeah. And, and, and was, and, but it was a, it was very serendipitous. You know, I studied with other people at Potsdam first, and then I went, I, I, I decided, you know, I, 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 I got kind of lost my sophomore year. I smoked a little bit too much weed and, um, right. and I got a little lost <laughs> and I ended up becoming an English major, but the school of music didn't know that. So the School of Music let me continue to take upper division music courses while I was getting my English degree. So I ended up getting a five-year two double degree. Oh. And right. So I, but after I finished my English degree, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I hadn't quite finished my music degree. And Pat said to me, you come back for another year and study with me, finish your techniques courses and get your degree, which is what I did but I didn't know how I was going to tell my family this. I mean, I don't know why I cared because they didn't pay for it, but I did, but I didn't, I was really worried about what I was going to say to my dad, but I was, you know, I, they just attended my graduation mm. and I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I really didn't. And Pat Mislin called my parents. She called my father for me. I sat in her living room and she called my dad and said, Stephanie's coming back to school. She's going to get her music degree. Well, why? Do you think she can have a career? And Pat said, yes, I think she could have a very good career. And that's why I stayed in school and I got my music degree. And a year and a half later, I was on the stage of the Met. Did your did dad get to see you sing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What did he think about that? He, I think he was impressed. I think he, I think he liked it, yeah. you know? And, and, I, and I think that, I think, I know my mother did. My mother was over the moon. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of singing. I did. I sang a lot of roles as a young artist, a lot. I remember and that. I, and I was, you know, I was very, very lucky. I have, I, I would love to talk to you about this, this because I watched this and I was so moved by this. And I just, and all, really it moved me. When I watched the PBS Resonant Bodies this program that you did mm -hmm. and it was very and actually you talking about your father because you bring him up very briefly but there are these moments where you say these things and I'm like whoa I feel like I you opened up your heart and I saw inside of that I don't know if that's true but it just oh yeah it really resonated with me in such a way because there are things that you said especially coming out and this you did this in 2019 or at least what I saw was in mm -hmm. 2019 mm-hmm and pandemic there I'm just I have to sorry I have to read this because this was um was something that just really resonated me to my core you said in this program what am I doing with my life this is after you you know job after job after job after job mm -hmm. being on the stage what even is this is this vital who am I am I relevant my career stretched out in front of me like one long endless transition until I didn't even know who I was anymore. 
I'm paraphrasing that. And there was something that even now just saying that out loud, I'm like, holy shit, because the pandemic changed so many artists' hearts and minds and how they wanted to live their lives after this. And if they wanted to be more home-based and singing and all of these things, I don't know. I felt like we all asked ourselves these questions. How unbelievable that you did that before you said those things before the pandemic. And um, I, first off, I would love to know how this program of yours came together because it's a mix of opera and rock and a, you have a band and this fabulous pianist and this whole thing. I wish the program had been longer because I was like, no, 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 it can't be over. <laughs> it actually, it actually is quite a bit longer. That that was a 30 minute rendition of, an, of a 90 minute show. Oh, I would, okay. I need to see the 90 minute then because I was- we it was brilliant. It's brilliant. And I thought, oh my God, is, could this be part of our future of opera is having these wonderful like mixes of this music? I don't know. I just loved it. We did. We actually did a, um, the, the, the show developed from the original show, which was done in 2017, okay. um, a show that I did with uh, the Bearded Ladies Cabaret and Philadelphia Opera. Okay. A uh, piece that was called Dito and Aeneas, Two Queens, One Night. Okay. And Dito Van Rygersberg, who's a very, very dear friend. Um, and um, it's actually a wonderful story because Dito's parents were my host family at Wolf Trap. Oh, cool. And, and, I, and, and are, uh, they were very, very, and are still very, very an important part of my life. Okay. They became like, like surrogate parents to me. Mm -hmm. And not only to me, but to every, every singer that ever stayed there at their home. I was the first uh, singer they ever hosted. So I, I have a little special designation. Wow. Um, and unfortunately, Dito's father passed away this, this year, and it's a huge loss. Um, but uh, so I met Dito after I had seen... Um, his act on YouTube many, many times. Um, and and uh, Dito's a magnificent actor and an incredible drag queen named Martha Graham Cracker. Oh, I love. <laughs> and so I was doing a Mahler 8 in Philadelphia mm -hmm. and Dito came to see the show and was there with a magnificent artist named John Jarbo, mm -hmm. who was the director and creator of the Bearded Ladies Cabaret in Philadelphia. And David Devan happened to be there. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking with these three amazing human beings. And I said, you know, David, I think I'd like to do a show to benefit Philadelphia Opera with Martha Graham Cracker. Can you make that happen? And he said, yes, I think I can. And a year and a half later, we did it. Love. And that was- And we, we this, the, this show actually is about two artists, Lively Oratonio and, and Martha Graham Cracker, who are um, in love with each other from afar. They've never met. They've seen each other perform. Okay. And they are separated uh, by a fourth wall. And so Martha has a string quartet on a little island stage. Mm -hmm. And I was always on the main stage with my rock band. Okay. And the whole conceit of the piece was that we needed to break through this wall in order to really connect with the audience and that the audience would bring us together. Okay. And it was a way of bringing together the, the art of cabaret and the art of opera. Love. And it was magnificent. I mean, just incredible. And we expanded on this 
and two years later did a series of three shows um, that began with, Bly with Blithely, uh, um, Blithely After Hours, which was a solo show for me. Mm -hmm. Then Martha had a solo show called Foray Play. <laughs> and then we did Did You Win an A's uh, Two Queens One Night. Mm -hmm. And I had Brenda Ray and uh, Justin Vivian Bond as my guests. Okay. And, and uh, Martha had Pat Reset. Oh, and it was, it was just an incredible, it was incredible. And then we ended up being asked by Resonant Bodies to do this show. And at the same time, um, and, and try to, you know, sort of hone what we had done into a 30 minute show. Okay. And then we expanded on that show because Lincoln Center came to us after Charles, uh, right. really after, right, came to us afterwards and said, hey, would you be willing to do this show for American Songbook? Right. At Jazz at Lincoln Center. And I'm like, you mean you want to give Blithely Oratonio a Lincoln Center debut? <laughs> yes. Ooh, I love that. Yes. So the last thing I performed before everything closed was Blithely uh, After Hour or Blithely Ever After. So Blithely Ever After is that show expanded to an hour and a half. Okay. And um, and and it, we really John and I we wrote that script after a, a lot of improvisation and writing and uh, and talking and you know the thing that John has taught me is that art doesn't mean anything unless there are stakes mm. whoa and you to to get up and do a show that has personal stakes in it is always going to, it's always going to land. And what was so interesting was Roz Elias, I talked about this in an interview yesterday, mm -hmm. Roz Elias, the great American mezzo who was a dear friend and mm -hmm. I was such a fan. I loved that woman so much and we lost her as well during the pandemic. Um, she wrote me this piece, she came to see the show. Oh. And it's, she saw the Resident Body Show and I thought, oh, she's sitting back there <laughs> with Joan Padnode Yarmel and, and, and our friend F. Paul Driscoll from Opera News. And they're sitting in the back of the seat. I'm thinking, oh my God, what are they going to think about this? You know, and, and Joan, Joan and, and Roz were both upset because they didn't know we are the champions and everyone was singing along yes. and, they and they wanted to be able to sing along, but they didn't know the song. <gasps> and Roz wrote to me afterwards and she said, Stephanie, don't change a thing. Right. Tell the truth. Don't change a thing. No. And there's a lot of truth telling in that, not just about me, but about the industry. Mm. And if there are no, and, and I was, a part of me was a little worried to come out and say some of these things. Sure. But, you know, I had, I had other artists who came to me, who, who came to see the show at Lincoln Center. And you said, you know, you, you're saying exactly what I'm thinking. I, you know, I wanted to hug you because I, uh, especially during those moments, because I think so many of us looked back and said, what the hell am I doing? You know, like, mm -hmm. what, what do I want my life to be? What do I want my, do I still want to be in this business? Do I still want, I mean, all of these things, which we've talked numerous circles mm -hmm. around, even on in this show that Sonia and I've done for almost mm -hmm. 
years now. Um, yeah. it's just, it's so relevant and, and it's so honest and I'm glad to know that it, that, that the script writing was from that place. I mean, listen, oh, I, yeah. I, I don't like bullshit. I see bullshit a million miles away and there was none. There was, this was this wonderful look into Stephanie Blythe and Metso that I grew up listening to and because I started out as a mezzo I mean all of you amazing mezzos at the time I was constant enthralled with and so it just was a beautiful window into you and and also it was something that I think just like I'm just repeating myself but it just resonated but you know but the, but the thing is is that you that all of us whatever we're performing whatever role it is that we're performing we have to deal with two things. Mm. We have to deal with what is prescribed by the score mm. and what we are feeling as human beings. Mm. And we have to find that balance. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's part of the agency that we need to give to the next generation. Mm. And I think that that leans very, very easily into Sandra's question earlier about where do you think this industry is going? I think it's going to a place where, where artists are going to demand, not just need, they're going to demand agency. And I, and, and I think that that's wonderful. I mean, I don't, I think that, that, that gone are the days of where you are, and, and, and this is not to denigrate anything that came before us because sure. everything I know and everything I do is informed by that. Right. And whenever I work on a show uh, with, with John, whenever we're developing something new, the first thing that John does is we sit down and we say, okay, what are we, what are the, uh, what are the things that we need to say with this piece? Yeah. What are my values going to be? Mm. And I do that with my students as well. What are the values that I want to espouse in this piece? And for me, number one, every single time is before you send anything up, you have to honor it, honor it. And I honor my ancestors. I do a whole piece in, in, the, in my long show about the ancestors, about who has come before and who I have learned from. And I, I'm very fortunate, Sandra and I, when we, Sandra and I came up in the program when there was an entire generation of artists about to retire. Mm. We heard Marilla Franey live. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Her husband live. Right. You know? The people that we heard on that, that Met stage. Uh, Absolutely. And there were a lot of people that were uh, that were on their way out, you know, yeah. terrific singers that were at the end of their careers. So we 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 really got to see this generational turn, mm -hmm. and these were the people that I admired. I mean, I I learned more about stage savvy from Teresa Stratus mm. than I could possibly tell you about somebody who could walk out on, she could go from her dressing room to the stage and completely transform. She could become a 16 year old girl mm -hmm. and be completely and totally believable. Walk from the backstage to the stage and become a queen. And yeah. 
totally, it was just, she oozed stage. A vulnerability that was so, <sighs> so amazing and so endearing. And, and she would open her, her soul to the public. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Absolutely. In a way, you know, she wasn't going to give 15%. She wasn't going to give 80%. She gave 150 Absolutely. We I remember we're fortunate to see all that. Totally. I remember saying to I went I did a I did a concert in Canada in Toronto with Louis Quillico. Right. And he had asked me, he heard me sing in the National Council competition and came to me during uh, after the show was all over. And, and he said, I do a concert every year uh, to raise money was a water for Africa concert. And I would like you to be in it. And I just about, I couldn't believe it. I was so shocked because of course I knew exactly who I was talking to. Mm -hmm. And Louis, I, I, during that concert, he went out and he sang the Te Deum from Tosca. And he walked off stage and I said to him, is it an elixir you're drinking? Is it some food? Are you taking some pill? What is it that you sound as fresh as a daisy at 69? I mean, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. These were, these were world-class, amazing instruments. And we, we heard some, man. I know. I, I got to sing with Pavarotti, come on. I know, a gift we were given to watch and work with all these people. Oh. And we could go and watch rehearsals. We could sit in on rehearsals if we wanted to. I mean, Carrie, we were, we were so lucky. But we the thing is, is that now with this next generation of artists that are coming up and not only the artists that are coming up, but also the people who are presenting it. A lot of these, a lot of the more grassroots companies mm -hmm. are, you are seeing new work, a lot of new work, which is great. And you're seeing singers take uh, take more of a uh, a step forward in terms of production. Mm. Look at all the things that happened. Look at all the great stuff Kenny Overton did. Yeah, right. During during right. Amazing. During yeah. Singers took singers took agency. They said, you know, I know something about this. Yeah. And if I don't know about it, I'm going to learn about it. Yeah. And that is that is what's different. And I think it's going to say something really really beautiful about what's coming forward because people are asking the singers, you know, look at how many companies now are taking on professional singers as, you know, um, uh, for, for um, consultation work. Mm. Yeah. I, you I, know, I, they're allowing it's great. to be a part of, of the whole production of everything, not just mm. the people standing in front of the public, but they're yeah. allowed behind that. And I, mm. I think it's and, great. And, and look, it's, 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 it's only smart. It's smart because the people, the people who are, are, you know, who are providing money for these things, because let's not, let's not forget, this is an expensive little endeavor. Um, when you are talking to an artist who's involved in a piece and who's passionate about something, it's much easier to whip out your checkbook. I agree with that hundred percent. You know, and a lot of these, a lot of the projects that are coming out now are really great passion projects. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm interested in okay. more than anything for my own career okay. is 
are things that I have, I, I, are things that I'm, I have agency in and that I'm invested in, okay. in every way, you well, know? Yep. You've created okay. your own path, your own journey. Sure. And you know yeah. what? We both applaud you for that stuff. Absolutely. Really. It's, it's inspiring. Well, thank you. <laughs> okay. You know, we got to do... So do you have a few more minutes for rapid fire questions? Because we want to let you go. Yes. It is, yes. We're, I we're do. Gonna go, we're going to throw it way back, way back to James. Okay. All right. Go, go. All right. Go crazy. Harry, you want to start? Yes. What is your favorite word? Motherfucker. <laughs> oh, okay. What is it's your two favorite? words. Well, it is. But, but no. It's <laughs> that terrible? No, no. no because did I change it? Well, we were going to ask you what your favorite curse word is then, but, but I guess we got a two for one there. So there you go. So what's your least favorite word? Mm, no, no, that's not true. I like no. I've said no a lot in my life. I know my, my least favorite word is probably can't. Can't. Better. Mm -hmm. yep. What turns you on? Mm, talent. Mm. And what turns you off? Uh, ignorance. Mm. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? Mm. Uh, <laughs> I love the sound of my uh, Boston Terrier sleeping, snoring. That's <laughs> And what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, oh, a truck backing up. Beep, beep, beep. That outside right now, 48th and 8th. Yeah. Okay, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, writer. Mm. Fiction writer. Cool. That's interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what would profession would you n never want to do? <sighs> yeah, so many. There are a lot of things that I would not want to do. I'll tell you. I will. I'll do. Uh, I'll. I'll. I'll go for one that I actually did. Um, a grocery bagger. <laughs> I. I absolutely hated that job. Oh. With a passion. Yeah. I'm That's so where you are today. So. I'm so type A, like I'd prefer to just bag my own groceries. I have a whole system. I do have a system. It did. I did develop a system, but I remember once my dad walked into the bedroom, uh, in, in my bedroom when I was a kid, and because I the, I was making noise in the and and he opened the door and I was standing next to the bed, bagging in my sleep. Awful. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. It was a terrible job, but. That was the that was the year that uh, that Karate Kid Two came out and and that fabulous Chicago song. <laughs> I am the man who will fight for your honor. That song came out Love every single time that song came on. I was like, Where is he? Where? <laughs> Who's gonna fight for my honor? Somebody take me the hell out of this shop, right? I honestly thought that every time I was like, oh, Peter Cetera, couldn't you be here Peter right Cetera. now? Get me the hell oh, out of man. this shop, right? 
He was a hunky, hunky, chunk, hunky, chunky guy. I mean, I, I had a big old crush on him. Oh my lord! Please, that voice. Oh my god! See, that's what I'm saying. Talent. That's talent is the hottest thing on on the planet for me. There you I go. just, it just, I, I don't get. You know, if you could, if you're good at what you do, oh my lord, that is just. Freddie Mercury. If I ever met that guy, I don't care, gay, straight, whatever. Oh. I would have jumped his bones. <laughs> I. Well, all right there, son. There you go, son. I was kind of thinking he that. He's like, so talented. In my opinion, one of the most talented human beings. I, I, I would say the world. same thing about Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler. That voice knocks me out. Just okay. knocks me out. Steve Perry knocks me out. I, I, there, that, that's one of the things that's so much fun about, about doing crossover rock and roll and, and mm. opera because they really sit neck and neck with each other. And you know how much Freddie Mercury loved opera. Totally. Loved you know, it. Yeah. Let's go. He's, he's one of those, like, at that big dinner party that we're going to have up, up in the sky. He's going to be at the head of the table, and I'm going to be. Oh, there. I'm sure. Like, seriously. <laughs> Leading us um, to the last question, Carrie. Last question, but I have to say, like, talent does turn me on, but thick thighs and a juicy booty turns me on, too. I'm just saying. So. <laughs> I think that's really important. I have well, that. Well, don't got to come over to my house, honey. <laughs> got tons of that over here oh dear i got that in my house downstairs like it's yeah i love it okay anyway um okay last question if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say as you walk through the pearly gates oh well i could give the i i will give the i i i i, I don't think there's any there's there's more than one answer Mm -hmm. well take two i would i would hope you know welcome good and faithful servant yeah that's what i'd like cool i think that god, i think that i do think heaven exists and i do think god exists and i'm grateful every single day because i know what i do is because of that i just know it and my prayer every single time i go out on the stage is lord help me to sing with your voice and not my own and give me presence of mind. Oh, I love that, that is my constant prayer. You know, and I and and I'm I've been very fortunate that that prayer has been answered. Um, on, on, in the on in the positive com column more times than not. I think the good Lord came down and touched her throat, Stephanie, and I've always said that. Uh, that well, that's very kind. I all I can hope is that I'd be a good a good. Um, you're son of me, right? Yes. I'd be, a, I'd be a good witness to that. Thank so. you for joining us. Really uh, thank you. Nice to see thank you, you again. Oh, and hopefully I see you in the next week. Okay, wait. Oh, wait. Before we go, I have two important questions to ask you. Sorry. Okay. First one, sorry. sorry. Too much, two, two minutes of your time. First one, how amazingly, <laughs> awesomely cool is it that you are an official artist of, and I'm going to totally screw this name up, but the Lanakai ukuleles. Lanakai ukuleles. Lanakai ukuleles. I mean, what? How awesome is that? Do, I mean, hello, people. Do you know this about Stephanie Blythe? The, I, last year during, uh, so would it be a week? It, it's, a, it's a year August. Okay. Um, they asked I, I just was contacted by Lonnie Kai ukuleles and, and they had seen that I, they had seen the resonant video, the resonant bodies video okay. and saw that I used a Lonnie Kai ukulele in my show. And I always play with a Lonnie Kai because they have a, my, all, my Lonnie Kai's have a pickup 
okay. built in for a speaker. Cool. And so, um, and I love them. They're wonderful. I mean, to give Lonnie Kai a plug, fabulous, beautiful sound, constantly in tune. I very rarely have to tune them. Awesome. And they, so they contacted me and said, would you become an official artist of Lonnie Kai ukuleles? I'm like, yes. Hello. Of course. And now it's the last line in my bio. It's brilliant. I totally love it. Okay. And the other thing is that I've read so much of your poetry. The most recent one that I read was about winter. And mm -hmm. when I got done reading that poem, I was like, why isn't this a song? I can hear it in my head. So do you- I actually was, I was contacted by a composer about it. Okay. So it may very well become a song. I hope it becomes a song. I was really lucky that, that I did some uh, writing um, over the, over the, during the pandemic. And mm -hmm. I actually wrote quite a bit of poetry mm -hmm. and I wrote a few songs. Okay. My favorite song, my favorite song was Shut Up Christmas, You're Drunk. <laughs> and that was my, my Christmas song that I wrote. And, and I will okay. be putting it back online for, for the holidays. Love, love. Um, I wrote a couple of love songs, but, but my, what I'm very proud of is that, that William Bolcombe actually set one of my, my poems last year. Is he your favorite living composer, Stephanie? Oh, he's certainly one of them. Absolutely. And I think that, I think that he and Joan Morris are, are just, I, uh, they're just a force of nature. I, I mean, just two, I mean, two incredible human beings who have made such an, uh, an impact on music, on vocal music. Um, and, and it's lovely because, you know, during the pandemic, when I was making all of these, these videos, Joan would always write to me and, and make, make the loveliest comments. And it was wonderful. And it was a way for me to reach out to people. Um, and wow. so that's been amazing. I have a lot of, I mean, I, I have, I mean, I think that my friend, Alan Lewis Smith, who's written a lot of music for me, I know. <clears throat> you know, was see when I was there. Yeah, Alan is, he's, he is still one of my favorite composers and, um, and just the most, one of, you know, he and Warren Jones are, are two of the most important uh, musical mentors of my entire life. I've learned more about, uh, about, you know, making music from those two men than just about anybody. Love. Um, and uh, and I also am crazy in love with Tom Chikula. Mm. Okay. I think he's just written his, for me, I, I mean, I hear Tom's music and it's like Pavlov's dog. I just burst into tears. Really? I just, it, there's something, he has a, um, he has a tonal language that is so magnificent and I, and I adore him as a human being. So I'm, I'm very, very lucky. And I, I know a lot of, I, I can tell you that I do a lot of work with new comp new composers and, and I'm constantly looking at new songs and hearing new songs. And okay. there is some great music being written today. Love. Great music. Awesome. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much. Thank thanks you. For, thank, thanks for the invite. Are you of kidding? Course, it's so great to chit chat with you. So awesome to talk to you. It's amazing. And thank you. We send our love to your great husband. I shall. I shall. He's thank making lunch. And thank you for all the work you're doing with all the young singers too. It's just so important. So thanks for that. It's my pleasure. And my pleasure. all the row, all the freaking doors you're crashing through. I mean, this is just amazing. It's brilliant. So love, love, love you. Huge hugs. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks. thanks. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye.